This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. What a great time in worship together. Amen? Amen. Jesus did pay it all, and we owe Him everything. Every single thing we owe Him, our very breath, our very existence, everything is from Him, for Him. We want to let everything that we do here today in this place, we want it to be for Him and for His glory, and we want everything in our lives to be for His glory. And as we grow in understanding who He wants us to be and what He wants us to do, I was praying and saying, God, what do you want me to share uh, to our church family this weekend? Because we just wrapped up our series last week as we went through all the different elements of preparing for what life would have Uh, for the different challenges that come to us in life. And we talked about preparing through being people of Scripture, being people of prayer, being people who are simply available to be used by God and growing to the next level in those three areas specifically. So if you missed any of those, I would encourage you to go back. But today as I was uh, really saying, God, what do you you want me to share uh, for today? Uh, I really felt really strongly God wanted me to share with our church family about friendship and about relationships. So the title of my message, if you're taking notes, is Real Friends, because God created us for connection. He created us for friends, for friendship, for relationship, not only for us to have them, but for us to be that type of authentic, real friend. I don't know how many you have, and I'm not sitting here trying to compare how many you have versus I have, but I have 1,438 friends on Facebook. I must be special. And there are a lot of people that I know. That's what that means. That means there's a lot of people I know, and a lot of people know my name, and I know a lot of people's names. And you know what? Uh, But those people don't necessarily mean that they're actually my friend, right? I can say I have 1,480, 38 friends, however many, on Facebook, but that doesn't mean that's actually how many real, authentic, genuine friendships that I have. Some people are just only invested in the level of wanting to know your business, and so that's why they became friends with you on Facebook, because they're trying to stalk you and get all up in your business and get some drama going on. Some people are only invested in friendship to the level that they can only get something from you. Some people will only be your friends under certain conditions. So who are your real friends then? Who are those real relationships that God has given us in our lives that we're to connect with? And are you being that kind of friend? So I want us to look at Scripture today to see God's design for friendship and how to thrive in relationships. So I pray that this message encourages you today. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and go to the book of First Samuel in the 19th chapter. First Samuel, the 19th chapter. Now, this was during the reign of King Saul, the very first king over Israel, who was anointed by God, by the prophet Samuel, that we talked about a little bit earlier during our child dedication. And in 1 Samuel, here Saul started out a good guy and really turned very selfish, really turned to being afraid of what people would think about him, and so he began to serve people's opinions. He began to make the entire kingdom all about himself himself. 
And therefore, his reign began to kind of spiral out of control, and God said, I need to anoint another king over Israel. And so God chose, through the prophet Samuel, David. If you remember David and Goliath, all right? So David and Goliath scenario has already happened. That happened in the 17th chapter, where David slew Goliath with the five smooth stones that he picked up from the brook. He grabbed one of them, put it in a sling, threw it at the giant, killed the giant, and now everybody's all about David. David's now instant celebrity. He was a nobody that was just tending to his father's sheep, and now everybody is chanting his name. Everybody thinks this guy is just awesome because he killed this uh, terrible uh, foe, Goliath, and the Israelites chased the Philistines off, and it was a great victory. So therefore, Saul, who had made the kingdom all about himself, has become extremely jealous of uh, David. And he knows that David is going to uh, already been anointed to take his position. And he doesn't like that. Uh, Saul has his own children. And funny enough, Saul's son, Jonathan, and David end up becoming the best of friends. And let's read about that in 1 Samuel chapter 19 and verse 1. Saul spoke to Jonathan, his own son, and all of his servants that they should kill David. So here's Saul saying, all right, let's make a plot to kill David. But Jonathan immediately has a problem with this. Saul's son, he delighted much in David, the Bible says. And Jonathan told David, Saul, my father, seeks to kill you. So he gave him the inside track. He let him know, hey, my dad is crazy and he's trying to kill you. You need to make sure you hide or whatever it is that you need to do because my dad's trying to kill you. Therefore, be on guard till the morning. Stay in a secret place and hide yourself. And I will go out. I'll stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak to my father about you. And if I learn anything, I will tell you. Man, and you just can read on in this story about this deep friendship that develops between David and Jonathan and how he loved him so much that he gave him the inside track to what his dad was thinking, all the crazy stuff his dad was doing. And they even made a covenant promise together to where David said, you have been so good to me and you have been such a close friend to me that even though your family is going to be cut off from the inheritance of a king once your father passes away, the lineage of Jonathan is still going to be blessed. And so David made a decree and made a covenant that even when he took the position as king, that Jonathan and his family would not be cut off from royal inheritance. And we see throughout Scripture where David made good on his promise because we can see all throughout Scripture how, how he took this terrible situation and through this friendship, God preserved him, God helped him to endure, God encouraged him, and we need people to help us persevere. We need people to help us endure. We need people to encourage us in our lives. Amen? We need somebody that has our back. That when somebody's trying to take us down, they give us a heads up. Someone that cares about us. Someone that's willing to say, hey, even though this may cause me personal ruin, I would rather see you do well. I want to be that kind of genuine, real friend. And we see over and over again how David and Jonathan, the Bible says, their hearts were knit together. Real friends, real friends are the friends that are like David and Jonathan because real friends love you and are for you. They love you, but the thing is that they are for you. Some people are going to love you because of what you are for. 
They're going to love you because they like what you like. And the moment you stop liking what they like, then all of a sudden the friendship doesn't really have any connectivity anymore. Or they're going to like you for what you do for them. And so therefore, you only remain friends as long as you provide whatever it is that you provide for them. That's why you have to be careful with friendship when negativity is the main draw and attraction of a friendship. Because so many people get caught up in this trap of negativity and they become friends with other people because of what they don't like about someone else, whether that be a spouse, whether that be a boss, whether that be a a fellow friend that we talk about when that person's not around. And then all of a sudden, your basis of your friendship, your friendship is something extremely negative and toxic, but it makes you feel better and it makes you feel good because you can talk to this person. But the moment that that situation changes or the moment that all of a sudden you realize you were in the wrong and you ask this person for forgiveness, then the person that was negative wants to come back around and begin to speak that negativity again. And if you're not doing that, the friendship's just not sustainable. I know that I had a friend in my life that my, the basis of our relationship was that we didn't like our boss. And that was how we actually became friends, is that one day he opened up about what he didn't like about our boss, and I opened up about what I didn't like about our boss, found out we didn't like the same things. So therefore, we became friends based off of this negativity. And that's all we talked about. And this guy, even after I didn't work there anymore, would still come back around and try to talk to me about this boss because now that social media is what it is this guy would follow him oh you know this guy's doing this and this and i finally had to shut the mess down and you know it's been years and years since i've heard from this individual because the basis of our friendship the whole reason we connected in the first place was no longer what was on the table so some people are only going to be for you because of what you're for or they're only going to be for you because of what you're against But real friends are going to love you and be for you, no matter what season that you're in. A real friend is going to stick with you, whether you're on top of the mountain making great decisions, things are clicking along in life, or whether things are falling apart, you're making terrible decisions, or you become the victim of this terrible situation. Those real friends are going to be there regardless because what you do doesn't make up the foundation of your friendship. It's who you are. And they're your friend because they love you and they're for you. That's the type of friend that Jonathan was to David. And that's the type of friend that God calls us to be. And that's the type of healthy friendships that you're going to have in your lives. Real friends are going to celebrate with you. They're going to weep with you. Listen to this. If someone won't celebrate with you when something good happens, then you need to take note of that and need to ask yourself, are they really for me? When something good happens in your life and someone will not celebrate with you, someone doesn't get excited with you. I remember being at a church conference one time that they were talking about how to build a healthy church culture and healthy team amongst your staff. And one of the teachings were, if something great happens in your church, whether it was something that you were directly a part of or indirectly a part of or weren't a part of at all, and someone on your team doesn't get excited about that and celebrate, you need to pay attention to that because that could be an area of contention or somewhere that jealousy begins to develop or somewhere where you recognize that person's not really on your team. 
So a real friend is going to celebrate with you. A real friend is going to weep with you. A real friend is going to be uh, with you and for you. Some people are really only interested in rallying around you as long as you support their cause. And, you know, we say this kind of like it's a bad thing, but it's not always a bad thing because some people are only going to be in your life for a season. There are some relationships that people are only for what you're for or they're only against what you're against because that's the season of life that you're in and you've invested in these relationships and then all of a sudden when those relationships begin to get distant or when they begin to pull apart or when they just begin to kind of cease to even exist, people freak out. And they have a hard time with this. This is where everybody struggles is when they begin to lose those friendships or they begin to see those friendships kind of fall away. Those aren't necessarily a bad thing. You just have to put them in their proper place. Sometimes people are only going to walk with you for a season, but perhaps God had them walk with you for a season. Perhaps God only wanted you to invest in them for a season, or perhaps God only had them investing in you for a season. People get so upset when they lose friends. People get so upset when someone moves away, and you swear up and down that you're going to talk, and you're going to text, and you're going to stay connected on Facebook, and you kind of just move on with your life. And then one party is really upset because, I thought we were going to stay connected. I thought we were going to stay friends. Well, you can still be friendly acquaintances, but wouldn't it be a healthier thing to put that relationship in proper context and say, you know what, maybe that was just for a season. Maybe there's a reason that we're not drawn together like we once were. Maybe there's reason that we're not connecting like we once were because perhaps God just used that person in my life for a season. I was thinking about this this morning during our prayer time. In case you didn't know, we pray every morning at 8 o'clock here in the sanctuary. I was in here praying and I was thinking about this this morning and I used to be in a band. And this band was a, a, a group of Christian guys in Texas that we traveled around locally and we would play. I was pastoring a church and none of these guys went to my church. I knew these guys just through music, okay? And I loved being in this band. It was so much fun. And then eventually we moved away. And we all did the thing. We're going to stay in touch. You know, we're only a couple hours away from each other. And we really, we really did it. But I was thinking about how much I enjoyed being with those guys. But the season of life that I was in, that was such a huge outlet for me. That was such a great time for me to be a part of that band that I had to kind of let go of this idea that I always had to stay connected and in touch with these people all the time. Perhaps God has just put people in your life for a season. But the thing you've got to do is that when you recognize that season is over, you've got to let those things go instead of trying to allow that as a snare of the enemy for you to get angry at someone. Because the enemy would love to use that as a snare. He would love to use that to make you get all swole up at somebody. I thought that they were my friend. Well, they were, and they probably still are. They would probably still be there for you if you needed them. But at the same time, perhaps that was just for that season. So when those people leave and you put those things in their proper place, your world doesn't crumble. So you need to have a healthy perspective on what people God has put in your life that are going to be those David and Jonathan relationships that are always going to be connected to you. And then maybe there's other relationships that are just seasonal. People get upset all the time when things change. People get upset when familiar things or familiar people are not around them anymore. People get upset in church 
Oh, some of my friends aren't here anymore, or, or, or some of my friends have moved on, or some of my friends have moved away, or perhaps God called them to a different church. You know what? If God was genuinely calling them, or God genuinely called them, you've got to let them go. Amen? If, if they moved, you, you've got to let those things go, and you've got to move on instead of getting hung up in the past and getting all worked up over something that could be a stumbling block for you where you're angry towards other people or upset towards other people, and you'll be prone to gossip about other people. You see, in our lifetime, we will be blessed people if we have maybe three to five real friends that stick with us throughout our entire lives. I mean, we would be considered a blessed person if we had people who stuck with us through our entire lives, but not everyone is going to. And when it's time for those relationships to shift and change, you've got to let those things go. And that's very hard for people to do. That's really difficult for us to look at it as seasons. But God does so many things in seasons. There's a time for everything. You can read all throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. There's a time for everything. There's a time and a season, and perhaps God is wanting you today to hear this message because there's something or someone you've been stuck on, and it's time for you to move on. And it's time for you to recognize that was for a season. And it's time for you to take that step toward your wholeness and your healing and not allowing what that individual did or didn't do to help to make your world crumble. You know, out of Jesus' 12 disciples, that only three really got close to him? Out of Jesus' 12 disciples, the people that he spent the bulk of his time with, only three of those people really got close to him, Peter, James, and John. Let's look at John chapter 15. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and flip over there. John chapter 15. John 15, we're going to look at verse 12. John 15 and verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. He said, listen guys, we're building this relationship on trust, because you're going to be my friend because you're trusting what I'm telling you. And you're doing what I'm telling you because you trust me, because real friendship is going to be built on trust. And Jesus said, that type of friendship that has trust, then there's going to be no end to that love. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, there's no greater love that you're ever going to see than someone be willing to lay down his life for his friends. That type of intimate, deep trust where they trust what Jesus said. You have done what I have said, and I have given you the inside scoop from what I'm hearing directly from the Father. I have shared with you the details. I've shared with you my heart, and you've trusted that. And now 
He said, you guys need to do that with one another. You need to love one another at that level where you're trusting one another, where you're building that type of connectivity. He said, that's what I want for you. I command you to do these things so that you will love one another. And not everyone is going to get to a deep level of trust with you. And that's okay. Not everyone is going to be a close, deep friend of yours. And that's okay. We need to learn to be okay with those things and value those true friendships, those real friendships that God has brought into our lives. I hear this all the time throughout my entire 16 years being in full-time ministry. When a church begins to grow, you always hear the same phrase. I just don't know anyone anymore from the regulars who have been coming as new people began to come in the church. I just don't know anyone anymore. There's just so many new faces. I just don't know anyone. I'm I'm looking for something familiar. I'm looking for something to hold on to. I'm looking for something that, 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 that feels familiar. And when I look across, I just go, man, I don't know anybody. And the temptation is to isolate yourself. The temptation is to begin to feel like, man, things have changed. I don't know anyone anymore but here's the deal you need to realize everyone doesn't need to know everyone but it is important that everyone knows someone amen you see i think the value is is that everybody knows somebody because there's only going to be a few friends in your life that you get really close to Everyone doesn't need to know everyone. You know, if, if it's your goal to know all of the 550 so or so people that call Word of Grace their church home, if it's your goal to know all those people, great. You're doing better than your pastor. <laughs> because, man, I, I can't know everyone. I have my own capacity. I have my own limitation. I feel bad when I ask someone in our church family their name, and, and maybe they've been coming for a, a few months, and I haven't had opportunity to meet them yet. It makes me kind of feel bad. But at the same time, the more important thing is not that I necessarily know their name, but it's that somebody knows their name. Amen? Because this church isn't about me. This church isn't about you. Church is about all of us together connecting as a family and that we all feel loved and welcomed on some level. Instead of us sitting in our chair waiting for someone to come engage us or approach us, why not we take the responsibility to take the active approach instead and go engage someone else? We have to love one another. We need to engage one another. Otherwise, we're setting ourselves up to become this victim. We're setting ourselves up to become this person that says, well, no one talks to me. We're setting ourselves up to become this person that says, well, nobody must see me or nobody must care about me. Nobody must notice me. You need to understand God wants us to grow. He wants us to engage. He wants us to love amen and that means every one of us have responsibility the enemy would love to get you to feel sorry for yourself the enemy would love to get you to believe the lie that you're alone and that no one cares about you the enemy would love that he would love that in a in a church context at your work in your family within circle of people that perhaps you associate with he would love to make you feel isolated and alone like no one cares about you he would love to make you feel that way but at the same time the bible says in Proverbs 18 and 24, that he who wants friends must show himself friendly. You see, real friends are the ones 
who are going to get close to you, and not everyone's going to get close to you. And you've got to understand that, and you've got to accept that. And we have to understand, are these relationships that God is putting in my life, are they ones that are going to be long-term, or are they just seasonal? Is this something that he's calling me to invest in, or is this something that is just for a season? Because real friends are the ones that get to know things about you that you don't want anybody to know. That's what a real friend is. The ones that you've gone deep with, that you built deep levels of trust with because you have shared things with them where you could both take each other to court and get each other life sentences. <laughs> because each of you have that deep level of trust. And you have those people that you can just share your life with. You see, the ones that you've gone deep with, you've gotten real transparent with. And listen, warning, this is a small circle. This is a small group. Because everybody can't handle you. Am I helping anybody today? Look at somebody and say, can't everybody handle you? And then look at your other neighbor and say, can't everybody handle me? You see, everybody can't handle you just and all of your business and all of your junk and all of your stuff. And here's the problem is that when you let everyone know everything about you and you have no filter, you create drama because everyone doesn't know you and everyone can't properly contextualize you. You see, not everybody knows all your backstory. Not everybody knows why you said or did or felt. Not everybody can contextualize that. And you can't help everyone contextualize you. So you just can't let everybody into the deepest, most intimate, secret places of your life. And that's not saying you're being fake. That's not saying that you're being uh, distant from other people. It's just saying that you're using discretion and judgment and wisdom in the things that you share with other people. Because not everybody needs to know about your intimate love life. Hello, somebody. <laughs> not everybody needs to know about your financial situation. Not everybody needs to know what you said to your boss in that moment of anger. But because of the outlet of social media, oftentimes we'll stir up a bunch of drama by using poor judgment and discernment and letting everybody know our business. When what we really need is just some real friends that we can talk to about those things. People who can contextualize us. People who care about us. People who are for us, whether we're on top of the mountain or whether we're at the bottom of the valley people that we can truly go deep with in that type of relationship. And not everybody is that type of friend. And you don't need to treat every person you come in contact with like that type of friend because you'll run people off. Because they don't know you. They can't properly contextualize you. They don't know all of the things that certain people know about you. That's why you can go deeper with some people. That's why that Jesus is the best friend that you will ever have. Amen? Because even if you're alone and you say, Pastor, man, I sure would like to have friends like that. I'm kind of feeling, you know, a little jealous that I don't have someone in my life like that. Perhaps you're feeling that way. Perhaps you're feeling like, man, I, I would love to have someone. Or I remember having someone in my life like that and they burned me real bad. And they hurt me really bad. And so because of the wounds from that relationship, I don't want to go there with somebody again because I'm afraid to trust again. You can always trust Jesus, amen? You can always trust Him. You can always share with Him. And He wants you to trust Him when He speaks to your heart, either through His Word or through His Spirit speaking directly to your spirit 
or whether through something that he's leading you to do, whatever it is, when you hear him speak that you trust him because he wants better for you because he's for you, if our God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? If he's for us, then who can be against us? He is for you. He's not just excited about you living life when you're up on top of the mountain. He is excited about you living life when you're at the bottom, when you're scraping, because he knows that he is your hope and he knows that he is is your answer. If you'll just reach out to him, he wants to make all things new. He loves you regardless of which side of that scenario that you're on. And he can always properly contextualize you because he knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. Amen? Amen. Flip over to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes 4. Is this helping anybody today? Good. Because if you said no, I'd feel weird. (laughs) Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9. Ecclesiastes 4 and verse 9. It says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. If they fail, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he fails and he doesn't have another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. See, real friends stick with you because they are for you. They love you, and nothing you can do will change that. They are with you through thick and thin. And real friends speak the truth. Hello, somebody. I said real friends speak the truth. That's a really good spot to amen. Real friends speak the truth. Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27 And verse 5 says this, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Better is open rebuke. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Man, sometimes... Your friends need to speak the truth in your life, the the truth that you don't want to hear. That's what a real friend will do because when you... Do anything that's going to challenge someone. When you speak open rebuke or when you speak words that you know are going to hurt someone, but you know that they need to hear this truth, when you do that from an attitude, from a position of love, what you're really doing is you're really cashing in and you're really wagering a lot of your relational equity and the relational chips that you have with that individual. Because you can't guarantee how that person's going to respond. I know that I always teach my staff this. When you ever have to correct someone or whenever I have to correct my staff and call them in for a meeting or talk to them about an issue, I always tell them this. I said, make sure that you have been investing in people so much good and so much positivity and so much love and so much care that when you do have to make that withdrawal, that it doesn't make an overdraft in your emotional bank account that they still have something in their emotional bank account because you've been making deposits and investments. And when you go and you speak to them or you correct them, that you don't just take everything out and you overdraw and all of a sudden your relationship is bankrupt. 
You need to make sure that you're investing. And so you need to speak truth to your friends. You need to speak those hard words, but you also need to do it from a position of love and a position of investing. So when you have to have those hard conversations, that you don't overdraw. You understand what I'm saying? You have to continually let them know you care about them and that you're there for them and that you're just not always coming at them with hard conversations all of the time because if you continually keep coming at people with hard conversations and you're not making investments, you're not depositing, you're not going to be friends very long because there's only so much of that that someone will be willing to withstand. But for it to be effective, you need to always make investments. You need to do this with your relationships with your spouse, with your children. When you have to have hard conversations with your spouse, when you have to have hard conversations with your children, are you investing enough love and care in them that they know that they're valued, that they know that, that they have worth because you've spoken so much and you've shown them so much that when you do have to have those hard conversations, that it doesn't change the fact that they know that they're loved and that they know that you care about them and that when you give them a hard word, they actually take it as, wow, this person really cares about me. Have you ever had someone come at you with something and they really didn't have a lot invested in the relationship and it hurt and it, you, took it, you took it really hard and you didn't want to be around that person anymore? But then have you been around the individual that you knew cared about you and that loved you and that when they told you something hard because of the investment, you actually walked away going, wow, I know that person just rebuked me, that person just corrected me, or that person just kind of tried to straighten me out, but I kind of feel loved right now. There's a difference, and the difference is the investment made beforehand. The difference is someone speaking truth from a position of love. You're going to develop those types of relationships, those real relationships, by showing yourself friendly. I said this earlier, but if you're in Proverbs, go ahead and flip a few pages back to Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18 and verse 24 says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I really like the way that the New King James says it. It says, he who wants friends must show himself friendly, but there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. There's two different uses here in the Hebrew for the word friend in this particular text in, in Proverbs 18.24. And those two words are rea and aheb. Rea is the type of friend that is like your neighbor, your buddy, person you hang out with, person that you're going to maybe go have lunch with or that you go to their kids' birthday parties. That's your buddy, your neighbor, your friend. I'm friendly with this person. They're that Rhea person in my life. But then when he says there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother, it's a different use of the word friend. And that word used there in the original text in the way that Solomon wrote it is the word Aheb. And that word Aheb is the same word used when God speaks of Abraham, when it says Abraham was a friend of God. Abraham was an Aheb of God. In other words, that word Aheb means covenant partner, a deep, deep relationship that sticks closer than a brother. Someone like a David and Jonathan, someone who would have a relationship like what Abraham had with God. That is a friend, an Aheb, a partner that sticks closer than a brother. Not just my neighbor. Not just, hey, how you doing? Not just, hey, why don't you come over to the house for supper? No, this is someone that is sticking closer than a brother. And you develop those relationships 
by showing yourself friendly. You have to put yourself out there sometimes. I'm sure that you are a wonderful and interesting person. And I'm sure that you have so much to offer. And I'm sure that you're an amazing individual. But just because of all of those things doesn't mean that you can just sit by yourself waiting for everyone to recognize that. And all of a sudden everyone sees how wonderful and amazing you are and they want to pursue getting to know you more. The Bible is very clear. It says if we want friends, then we need to show ourselves friendly. But we need that type of friend that's going to stick closer than a brother. You make real friendships by being vulnerable, by being a good listener. This is how you invest in a real relationship with someone. Not just by talking and sharing how great you are, but by listening to someone else. I know one of my closest friends in ministry is Pastor Andy Shanholtz, and he is, I've shared with you before, an expert listener. Pastor Andy is just an awesome listener, and, and sometimes I feel guilty when I'm with Andy because I'll be like, man, I've really been talking a lot. I'm sorry, which isn't hard for me to do, but especially with Andy because he listens just so well, and I know he cares about me. I mean, I know that it's not just a relationship that he and I have had where he's trying to get something from me. I know that this is one of those special relationships where I can share with him, and I can trust him, and we have that deep friendship, and I know that God has done something special there, and I value that, but one of the key ways that we even became friends in the first place was he just was a really, really good listener. Um, you make real friendships by looking for ways to promote and celebrate other people. Stop looking for other people to always promote and celebrate you. You also need to be looking for ways to promote them and celebrate them. And just enjoy what they're doing and let them know that you're proud of them. Let them know that you're excited for them. Begin to invest in the things that they care about, even if you don't care about it, even if it's not something that particularly excites you. The fact that it excites them and the fact that they're thrilled about it, celebrate that with them. That's how you're going to foster and build into and develop trust with people. That's how you're going to begin to have those real friendships. Don't make the friendship all about you. Sometimes the relationships get way too heavy-handed on your end, and it becomes all about you. It becomes all about whatever your issue is. It becomes all about whatever is going on in your life. And you're not putting yourself in that seat of being that good listener. Part of showing yourself friendly is not making it all about you. There there's definitely needs to be some, some give and take on both ends of a friendship and a relationship, no doubt. You need to be able to share. But just don't make the friendship all about you. And ask yourself, if you're beginning to feel like there's a rocky friendship in your life, Ask yourself, have I been making it all about me? Have I been not in the position of a good listener? Have I not celebrated with them? Have I not helped to promote them or, 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 or invest in that relationship? Ask yourself those questions. Don't make it all about you. Because we all need friends who invest in us, and we need friends who also withdraw from us. We need both. But we need to make sure that we're putting those things in proper context. We need to make sure that when those relationships cease, that our world doesn't crumble. We need to make sure that we're investing in those relationships like what David and Jonathan had too when we recognize that that's a special relationship in our lives that God has brought. 
I know that one of the best relationships you should have apart from your relationship with Jesus Christ should be your relationship with your spouse. That's one of the things, if, if I can say my wife and I have done anything right in our marriage, because we've done a whole lot wrong, and we don't have enough time today for that sermon. But if there's anything that I can say that we've done right, that we started off right with, is that when we started off, we were just friends. And that was the foundation of our relationship. Sure, there was an attraction there. I mean, obviously. (laughs) That's terrible and not true, by the way. That's not true at all. I I had my dark tinted glasses with about five chains on, thinking I was Mr. T with my Hawaiian shirt and and my cargo pants with my socks and sandals and... And my fisherman's hat. And I thought I was cool. And my wife let me know I wasn't. (laughs) No. We were friends first. We just enjoyed one another's company. And it wasn't just this infatuation thing. It was just a genuine, I really like being with you. And I really enjoy being friends with you. And to this day, even through the hard times, because we've had hard times, we've had difficult times, hasn't always been easy. Maybe you're just looking from the outside looking in, but that's not the case. We've definitely had our share of struggles, and I'm sure that there will be different challenges and struggles along our journey together. But in the almost 15 years that we've been together, the one thing that has kept us together is our friendship. And I think that you need to invest in the friendship with your spouse. Amen, somebody? Because that should be one of those ahead, close, intimate, trusting friendships. And if you have distanced yourself from one another, then it's not just going to be the romantic dinners and the flowers and things like that that are going to win one another back. It's going to be the friendship aspect. It's going to be that part of investing in just being together and doing things together. Not just the physical side, not just the romantic side, but the friendship. Because God said it's not good that man is alone. And so he created a helpmate. He created someone to be there to do life together. And you need to invest in your relationship with Jesus. You need to invest in your relationship with your spouse. And then there will be those special people that aren't relatives. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. But more times than not, they, they won't be the relatives. But people that come along who are those special Ahab, Jonathan, David type friendships too. Invest in those things. And then the rest of the friendships, enjoy them. Enjoy the rest of those friendships that may be seasonal, but recognize they're seasonal. Recognize when someone leaves that all of a sudden your world doesn't fall apart. Recognize your role in being that person that needs to actively seek out those friends and show yourself friendly. Recognize that you need to be investing and not making it all about you. I hope this message helps us. I hope that it helps us to grow as a church family. I hope that it helps us to preserve the unity that we have as a church family and only grow that. And perhaps if you have been at church and you've been feeling alone, you've been feeling a little lost, or you've been feeling like, I wonder if anyone notices. Hopefully this has challenged you or encouraged you today. Or maybe you're one of those people that would say, I just don't know anybody anymore. I hope it would encourage you to actively say, okay, not everyone needs to know everybody, but everyone needs to know someone. And who is it, who is it that God wants you to know? Ask him, pray, God, who is it in this church that I need to get connected to? Who do I need to know? Because you're not going to know everybody, and that's okay. We don't want to keep uh, the limit to how many people that God wants to reach and save for his kingdom to our little group of being able to control and know everybody. That's very selfish. Would you agree? And so if we say, okay, God, you can only reach this many people because this is only how many people that 
I can know and be friends with. And so therefore, everybody else can just literally go to... Anyways. <laughs> we don't want people to go to hell, right? No. no, of course not. That'd be selfish on our part. So let's not make church about us, amen? Let's not make relationships within church about us. Let's make it about His kingdom and say, God, who do you want me to connect with? Who do you want me to befriend? And invest in those friendships. Invest in those relationships. I hope this has helped you today. Would you stand? Let's pray. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.